somebody else said, well, if we didn't have preaching, what would you do? Uh. We're going to look, though, maybe with a little more meaning, um, at our passage. So we're walking through Corinthians, uh, now into 1 Corinthians 14. And what we'll see as we, we look through here is to see how preaching, how what is called here prophecy, which is really the same as preaching in this context as the, the group gathers, is to communicate God's truth to those who are committed to following the ways of Christ and the power of the Spirit. It is to engage the mind in godly thinking. That's what preaching is to accomplish. All kinds of of teaching and persuasion that are around us, direct and indirect, in our comings and goings throughout our everyday life. But the, the preaching and teaching of God's truth is to renew, reform, and redirect our minds to God's good guidance. Now, our passage today, remember the the context as we've been walking through um, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. They've had some issues there, important to remember before we um, read the passage. What's been going on in Corinth is that they've um, had discussions and disagreements about the spiritual gifts, the gift that the Spirit brings upon them, and particularly around the gift of tongues. And the gift of tongues is not that you can flip your tongue over or you can make it into a little oval. Um, That's not the gifts. But it is to speak in unintelligible languages, to make sounds when you're overcome with ecstasy in the presence of the Spirit. As the the Spirit bubbles up within you, then you, you speak making sounds that aren't understood but they are the only way to express that spiritual energy within you. And what has happened in Corinth is that they've said, that's the highest gift. That's the gift that you want to attain. It's the one that has the most, um, it's the way that it has the most public attention. And it is the way, in a sense, to compete with the, the pagan worship services that are also going on at that time. So, what Paul is correcting in this discussion is he's going to say, no, there there are more important gifts than tongues, and he'll go into why. But I do want to remind you that even in the midst of this discussion, remember chapter 13 that we looked at um, last week, that there is a greater important focus than this discussion about tongues and prophecies and spiritual gifts, and that's the way of love. So he'll allude to that at the beginning. But that love is what we strive for. It is, again, the most excellent way. And, but if you want to talk about spiritual gifts, this is what is important. That we engage, when we gather together, that we engage our minds together in godly thinking. Passage is 1 Corinthians 14. It's found on 934 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. I'll read through verse 20. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us. Uh, speak to us your truth. Um, 
Help us to understand each one of us and us as, as a community. Help us to understand your truth and word for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Pursue love and strive for the spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophecy. For those who speak in a tongue do not speak to other people but to God for nobody understands them since they are speaking mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, those who prophecy speak to other people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Those who speak in a tongue build up themselves, but those who prophecy build up the church. Now, I would like all of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophecy. One who prophecies is greater than one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you in some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? It is the same way with lifeless instruments that produce sound, such as the flute or the harp. If they do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is being played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So, with yourselves, if in a tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is being said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of sounds in the world, and nothing is without sound. If then I do not know the meaning of a sound, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So, with yourselves, since you are eager for spiritual gifts... Strive to excel in them for building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unproductive. What should I do then? I will pray with the spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. I will sing praise with the spirit, but I will sing praise with the mind also. Otherwise, if you say a blessing with the Spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say the Amen to your thanksgiving since the outsider does not know what you are saying? For you may give thanks well enough, but the other person is not built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others also, than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, do not be children in your thinking. Rather be infants in evil, but in thinking, be adults. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So he jumps right to this distinction between prophecy and tongues. And, and just a, a word, prophecy doesn't mean to tell the future. That's a part of it. What it means, it means to tell forth the word of God. To, to preach, to, to proclaim God's truth. That's what prophecy is. So he, Paul makes this clear distinction between the two as to why prophecy is better than tongues when you gather together. In, on a, the Sabbath gathering, the Sunday morning gathering. 
It says the tongues, that, that spiritual expression, that personal spiritual expression of that energy and that, that feeling within you, it's, that's good stuff, but it's between you and God. It really doesn't have an appreciable impact on others. Whereas prophecy does. Prophecy is something that does benefit all who have gathered. It tells us in verse 4 that, that it is to build up the church. It is to encourage. It is to console. To, to help teach, to guide in what is true and what is good. To encourage, you know, to give us positive mojo even. To console us, to free us from sin, to remind us of our forgiveness. To be reminded there's one in control in the midst of the disappointment and pain and struggle in this world. And that's what prophecy is to do. Whereas tongues, he says in verse 4, they, they, just, they build yourself up, but they don't build others up. Prophecy builds up others. Now, I know that we do not really having, or have not having this huge discussion over the, the, the priority of tongues over um, prophecy. Maybe that's too bad, um, but that's a whole nother sermon. What do, you, what do we get from this, though? What are, what are the principles that Paul is teaching the church in Corinth that he's teaching us as well? He's, he's telling us what is crucial when we gather together. What is absolutely essential in our gathering is that we come with a focus, with an attention to how do we build up one another. It's not just what do we get, but what do we give? What, what do we give when we gather with each other? What do we give to one another? How do we support and build up and strengthen one another? Verse 6, Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you in some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Now we can go into all the details and distinctions of those particular words, but I don't think that's Paul's point. His point is that what is important is that we're giving words that encourage, support, teach one another. And it's important, too, to recognize Paul's not preaching to a bunch of preachers. He's preaching to the church. He's preaching to all who are gathered. That's... You and me. Say that when, when you come, when you gather together, you bring with you a word of encouragement, of consolation, of building up. That you give to one another. It may be as you're singing with one another. It may be in conversations in the atrium. maybe around donuts and coffee. Maybe in the foundation hour. You know, that's what that, that whole time is designed for us to gather around the word and then gather with each other. To carry out this principle of building one another up. It's a challenge though. Because it goes against the grain of why we usually gather together in, in settings like this. What we're, we're used to gathering in these settings at a, um, you know, at a movie or a concert or a play. You know, where you're supposed to be quiet and not talk to one another. 
We're, we're, we're used to doing this at an athletic event or where everything happens out there and we just watch. But what Paul is saying is, no, when we gather together, we participate with one another. We'll be talking even more about this next Sunday as well. Verse 12 summarizes it. So with yourselves, since you are eager for spiritual gifts, strive to excel in them for building up the church. So it's not just that we gather in order to get. There's a part of that. that we, we want to receive, but we also come gifted by God in order to give to another. The second thing I think that Paul then goes into is the distinction between the mind and the spirit. Look with me at verse 15 again. I will pray with the spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. I will sing praise with the spirit, but I will sing praise with the mind also. We gather for the benefit of one another... We gather not just to get, but to give. And we, we gather in order to engage not just the soul, not just what moves us internally, but to engage our mind, to engage what we think, to correct our thoughts, to bring them in line. Tongues, in this example here, is it, simply in the spiritual realm. It does not engage the mind. But prophecy, speaking God's word, is in the spiritual realm and in the mind. And it, it's important when we sing and when we are lost in the, in the Lord that we're also listening to the words that we're singing. And we pick those words to engage us in God's truth. We sing praise not just with the Spirit but with the mind also. So the, the songs that we sing help us engage with one another where we Encourage one another, and then at other times that we're singing to God with one another, encouraging one another to keep our eyes toward the heavens. At the end of our service, in a little bit, when we hear about the block party, we'll um, get to meet one of the folks that'll be performing uh, at the block party on Thursday night. Uh, um, Adam will, um, with some rap, with some hip hop. And again, for some, that's the, the language of your soul. For others, it's not the music of your soul. But the words are to engage our minds with godly thinking. Paul says in verse 19 that he would rather, in a gathering of believers, speak five intelligible words than to speak 10,000 unintelligible words characterized and empowered by the Spirit. This is a reminder that our gatherings are not just emotional, spiritual gatherings, but must also involve our thinking. That when we gather together, we must think aright together. We are challenged to think correctly, or better yet, to think godly ways. It means that our gathering is not just about feeling good. We're not just gathering so that we can get a Sunday morning spiritual upper. 
You know, it's not just good pneuma drugs, not just good spirit drugs. That's important. That's a part of it, but it is incomplete. According to Paul's words here, if we are not also engaging the mind. This, this engages and challenges us to grow in our intellectual maturity in Christ. To be thinking like adults. Or, we are not hearing and receiving God's word as he has designed us to together. We cannot become intellectually lazy. Our world encourages us to become intellectually lazy. You know, even commercials these days. I don't know what half of them say. What exactly they're trying to communicate except a vibe. In, if you go back 40, 50 years ago, commercials could be two, three minutes long. Today, 20 seconds and you're done. 140 characters or less. If you don't get them in the first three lines, then they're gone. It promotes a shallow knowledge instead of using our intellectual capacities that God has given us to think deeply in the ways of a deep God. So be be careful we don't get caught up into the, the entertainment world too much that dumbs down the deep truths of God. We hear Paul's word that we think as adults. So that's one thing I think that keeps us from engaging intellectually is, is the, the, the world is sort of our culture in, in many ways encourages us to dumb down our interaction and our thoughts. I think the, the second reason that we don't want to think with God and think with God's thoughts is, is because we don't want to hear what He's going to tell us at times. There are times that God will speak to us truth that will tell us, will convict us of our sin. And we don't want to be convicted. We don't want to change the way that we are interacting with our girlfriend or boyfriend. I mean, we want to keep having sex with them. We know God's going to tell us something else. We, we like getting drunk on the weekend. And we know God says, you know, that's stupid, that's foolish, don't do that. We like hoarding and, and keeping our money and our stuff. And God says, no, no, that's the way of death, not the way of life. We don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear, you know, you, you need to change your life because you need to learn more about how to love your neighbor as yourself. I just soon love my neighbor as my neighbor at arm's distance. I think those are some of the reasons that we don't want to engage the mind because we know that God will teach us and lead us the way that is, leads to life, that leads to truth that is good, but it's going to mean change for us. And I believe that we, as a church, are on a pathway that God has us 
He is, he is directing us. He is leading us uh, down a pathway that, that we're praying for. That He will lead us and teach us to be His church without walls. That we indeed will connect with one another in Jesus no matter our differences. And that we're, we're learning how to do that. And it's harder than we thought. That, that he's going to teach us to, to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. And we're finding out that that can be a real challenge. And He's going to lead us to celebrate Him, no matter the circumstances. And at times that's wondrous and easy, and at other times it is a sacrifice of praise. But He's teaching, He's leading, He's guiding us. And as He takes us deeper down His pathway for us, it will necessitate our intellectual maturity in the Spirit. To be a church without walls will require a solid foundation in Him. And we can't be intellectually lazy. Spiritually, our mind must be under the lordship of God. Paul's reminding the church in Corinth and he's reminding us of that truth. So I wonder for you, what's God saying to you? What is, what is God speaking to you, to your mind in this moment? What understandable word, if any? What revelation? What teaching? What thought? What way has He encouraged you to, to change your mind? Are, are you maturing intellectually in Christ? Are you seeking through His Word with one another? Are you listening to His Word for you? If so, then what truth is crystallizing for you that you can share with another? Simply to encourage, to console, to build them up. Don't just, as we practice every time we pass the peace, it's not just a nice way to get us up and moving so the children can go. It is a ritual that is to teach us we receive from God in order to give to one another. What word, what, what way has He encouraged, consoled, taught you that you now don't just keep for yourself, but you share with others? To encourage, to console, to build them up. And if not, if, if somehow you're stuck, it's just, there's just nothing happening, nothing is moving um, within you, I, I ask you, why not? What, what needs to change within you to better engage your mind with the mind of Christ? What's holding you back? What's preventing you? The reason... One of the reasons we gather, one of the reasons that we proclaim, we preach, we prophecy from God's Word is to engage our mind in godly thinking. Amen.